0: welcome to episode nine of the preg podcast where we talk about pain management in early labor i'm karen with the founder of preg and through this PregActive podcast i'm going to help you feel empowered informed and confident through your pregnancy and motherhood journey as we talk all things health mind and fitness So let's talk a little bit about pain management in early labour. We are very fortunate to have my personal student midwife here, Alison, with us and we're going to talk a little bit about that. Now before we begin, for those who don't know her, Alison, just give us a brief rundown as to why you've chosen midwifery as your your path
1: (laughs) well um in my previous life i was a primary school teacher but after having my children i decided to take a new direction (laughs) and um and because i became quite interested in the whole process during my own experiences of having children um yeah i started to look at midwifery as a, a possible career choice so um really just wanted to help women have a positive experience so that was really what led me to amazing
0: let's talk about what is early
1: labor okay so Early labour consists of two phases, um, generally the latent phase and the active phase, which a lot of people would know as established labour. So the latent phase um, is the initial phase. So the latent phase can actually last a really, really long time for some people. Um, Contractions tend to be sort of intermittent, so they're sort of a bit all over the place. Um, Sometimes they're strong. Sometimes you barely feel them um so you'll start to have some cervical effacement so what we're looking at is like the cervix is um you know slightly shortening Mm -hmm. and um, that's what's happening there and dilation is usually less than about four centimeters um can be up to six centimeters By the time you get to the end of the latent phase um but the dilation process is generally very very slow so um the world health organization outlines that there should be at least one painful contraction about every eight to ten minutes in the latent phase but this is different for everybody so Mm -hmm. there's no hard and fast rule as to to say um this is how it should be. I mean, if your labor's not following that, don't freak out about it because some people's labors are incredibly fast and some people's take a really long time. So the latent phase generally can last anywhere from six to thirty-six hours. For some people, it can last a few days. So if yours, you know, isn't following, you know, some sort of a pattern, don't worry about that because everyone is different, everyone's experiences are different. So um yeah, so as long as you're sort of getting some contractions here and there, you um, could be um, in the latent phase of early labour. So some people might think they're what they call Braxton and Hicks and some people call them practice contractions. I don't really know <laughs> what that means, a practice contraction, but um, but it could just be some general tightening. So sometimes in the really early stage of the latent phase, you might not even notice it. And over a couple of days, you might start to feel like it's getting a little bit tighter and you're like, oh, it feels a bit funny. Um, or you might start to get a bit of aching and things like that and start to realise that something's going on. So once the latent um, phase sort of comes to the end, like when you've dilated up to, I don't know, some between four and six centimetres, um, then you are in what they call established labour, so the active phase of early labour. So your contractions generally are stronger, And they last for a bit longer and they're they're forming more of a pattern so they're a bit more regular so whereas in the latent phase you might have one here and then half an hour later you might have another one a couple minutes later you might have another one with um, the active phase you are usually going to get them about two or three times in about 10 minutes and they can last around 45 to 60 seconds and as the labour continues, you would expect those to, to lengthen. So maybe 90 seconds, um, maybe a couple of minutes. Um, they'll become longer and stronger. And you'll have less time between, between them. So um, until you're fully dilated, which is about 10 centimetres roughly. Um, yeah, so what's that doing is it's just the upper part of your uterus is it's just contracting or sort of pulling at the lower part you know and, and trying to start opening up your cervix so that's basically what's going on <laughs> so before we move
0: on to pain management mm. let's first talk about pain
1: mm.
0: Mm. and i guess the, the the mindset about pain and that we are always trained to think pain is a bad thing right like a trip over we hurt ourselves it's painful it's a negative experience absolutely
1: but birth is it's a different type of pain isn't it absolutely it is and um i agree i think what you said is absolutely right like you know our experiences of pain generally are negative you know um you know, if you graze your knee, no one's going to come and say, congratulations, that's wonderful, how are you feeling? Um, So it doesn't quite work that way. But with um, with childbirth, it is a different kind of pain. So I guess women are pretty good at dealing with pain generally. And, um, you know, from the time you start menstruating, you feel some type of pain. You might just be an ache you know in in the lower part of your of your of your body um you might find some people get really quite sick when they have their periods some people end up with really bad back pain you know everyone's experiences are different but um but females you know by having our periods every month we are learning to to cope with pain and um so when we have our children the pain experience is not that different so everyone has a different experience when they start to labor when they go into those early stages of labor so you know you might have a, a bit of a backache or a belly ache, or you might feel a little bit sick some people get sore legs <laughs> it's always different for every single person um, but generally your body does it in slow increments you know apart from those rare occasions where some people, you know, go through the latent and active phase at warp speed. Generally, it's a slow process. And as you work your way through each process, you know, and you apply some different strategies that you might have learned, or you find that work well for you, you manage that pain. And um, so the pain is telling you that things are happening inside of your body and and these are things that are supposed to be happening, you know, when it's time for you to have the baby. And um, obviously if you're getting really severe pain then then you want to get in touch with your care provider and and find out what's going on, you know, or if you're just feeling really uneasy about what's going on, absolutely get in touch with your care provider. But, um, you know, there are ways you can cope with the pain. Um, if you want to avoid medication, um, some people just want to get shut into the hospital, you know, and just get it over with and that's fine. So, um, I suppose you need to sort of think of everyone's experiences of pain as well. I mean, some people have other things they're bringing along with them, um, emotionally or mentally or physically. And, um, the idea of that going through that pain just is no, absolutely not. And that's fine, but, um, but everyone's different. And everyone's journey is different. So um, for myself, my first time, um, I ended up with, um, oh, I had quite a lot of pain intervention. I wanted to try and do it without it, but my daughter was posterior. And posterior is generally, can be a little bit more painful. <laughs> and um, so then the cascade of medical intervention began. And, um, but with my second um thankfully (laughs) he was around he was anterior and um we labored at home for as long as we could and um and I was able to apply a few different strategies I had um my student midwife supporting me as well and um and it was just a completely different experience and I didn't use any pain medication except for the the gas and um so completely different experience and even afterwards it felt different so you know I've I've got two sides of the coin there (laughs) um yeah so let's have a look at some different strategies that you could use so the first one um squats perhaps you know that's not going to be for everyone because I thought of squatting when you you know got a baby uh on the way is maybe doesn't peel (laughs) but um using the swiss ball sometimes um you know just maybe sitting on the swiss ball and sort of you know you know rocking from side to side might help or um leaning against the swiss ball and, and squatting down maybe that'll help um maybe to relieve some of that tension in your hips
0: It's quite supportive as well. I think that's
1: the thing we think
0: of squats as part of our workout. (laughs) But if you you haven't tried this, getting a Swiss ball and you place it against the wall Mm. between the wall and you, and it's a really nice way to move up and down and it's you know if you're at the top you can just sway from side to side and that can be Mm. quite nice but just yeah getting that movement in yeah um the swiss ball can really help compared to say if you were trying to do a wall squat which is just you up against the wall which is just there's no way or encouragement to move right so it's not that's not a good position to be in because you can get stuck as well whereas with the the ball at least if you go down it's actually quite easy to get back up it assists you back up yeah and the other one um is having your partner behind you so having the wall then the ball then your partner than you. Oh, you. And that's a nice one just for even just swaying yeah. side to side and a little bit of down and up movement. Yep. And you're also sort of resting into them compared to, you know, pushing against them against the wall. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it might be great for you, but not necessarily for them. No. <laughs> but yeah, squatting and movement is yeah. certainly important.
1: Yeah, and I think also having that that softness behind you like maybe that's what the Swiss mm, ball does it makes mm, you feel a little bit does. cozy yeah. or yeah. yeah so yeah I think yeah definitely leaning against your partner and just rocking that's and it, it's something you do when you're pregnant you tend to rub I oh, know I did anyway rub my tummy just sort of rock from side to side
0: <laughs> as we're sitting here I'm just rocking from side to side I always do it yeah,
1: yeah. but it's quite calming <laughs> and it's you know relaxing and it makes you feel good and um and you do it when you hold your baby yeah. you do it when you're pushing the shopping trolley you find you rocking back it was a you do it all the time and um and so in early labor that's actually a really good thing to do mm. so it's a matter of finding positions um that are comfortable for you so some people like to maybe lean on things so they might put their arms on the counter in the kitchen perhaps or on the table and um and lean on that um some people might have a bedhead or something they might pile up some pillows mm. and and rest on top of those so they might be on their knees but sort of leaning forward on top of the pillows or they might have the ball on their bed or on the floor yeah. on top of a yoga mat so it's just a bit of trial and error really just trying to find positions that are comfortable so um and posture so being sort of you know you're pretty short of breath when you're pregnant anyway and towards the end you sort of feel that little suddenly you get that gap at the top where baby might have started to descend a little bit and suddenly you're like oh, i can take a breath <laughs> <laughs> so um you know getting into a posture where you can take advantage of that mm-hmm. take those nice deep calming breaths are really really good and and breathing even though you think yeah i'm breathing all the time but mindful breathing, circular breathing. So you're breathing in through your nose and then slowly out through your mouth. There's lots of calm birthing videos on YouTube, which are brilliant, for people who perhaps are not in the position to do a formal course or maybe just want a few tips. It's a really good um, thing to look at and it just helps you focus and, and breathing through the pain is actually a really effective strategy. And if it's something you can get the hang of in early labor, you can actually use it right the way through. And it's it's brilliant. Um, and also people use meditation. So just listening to some sort of music or perhaps, you know, those little stories that they sometimes have on those uh, meditation apps and things. Again, it's like a distraction technique, but it just helps you I think maybe go into yourself.
0: Tune in with. Yeah. yeah,
1: and and that's what you really need to do is to start tuning in with what's going on inside of you and sort of start to get in the zone. <laughs> You'll probably hear that phrase a few times, you know, once you're labouring. Um, but you, women do tend to go into that sort of zone and start to focus on themselves, focus on what's happening, and that's great.
0: Mm. Yeah. That's what you're wanting. Absolutely. And, and that's, I think, the other side of things is people can easily think i'm breathing <laughs> you know the surface the shallow breathing like this i'm focusing i'm focusing it's like oh <laughs> no no tune like go deeper if you can and it, it, to be fair there's lots of different breath techniques and mm. particularly towards the end of the the labor mm. using those <laughs> yeah i mean more, you might panting you know, they, them. they might work quite well yeah. but um to make sure that you're particularly
1: early on, mm. going deeper. Absolutely, because we want to relax. We, we, that's why um, hospitals tend to encourage you to labour at home for as long as possible. Mm. It's not like they're trying to get rid of you or fob you off. That's yeah. not what it's about. What we want to do is help labour become established. And so there's a bit of a chemical you know party going on inside of you so we want all those really good hormones those oxytocin we want that um you know that love hormone we want that one to be really strong because that's what's going to help with your contractions so um if you're feeling stressed Mm. and worried Mm. then that is you know kind of pushes oxytocin away and increases adrenaline and adrenaline is not really good for contractions. So um, hospital environment is a sterile environment. It's not one you're used to. It's not necessarily a comfortable one for people, which is why, again, <clears throat> they tend to encourage you to labour at home for as long as possible. So you're in your environment where you feel comfortable um, around, you know, your family or your friends or around the things that you know. Those are the things that are going to encourage labour. So once labour is fully established, coming into the hospital is not going to, you know, knock it on the head generally. But um, but in those early stages, just doing that can actually slow labor down and, and sometimes for some people can actually stop it.
0: Yeah. So, yeah. Well, so. and that's the thing is once you do reach the hospital, if, if that's where you're um, birthing, is you're on the clock and that's when then mm. if you don't progress, that's when the interventions Absolutely. can start coming in. So if... And it's so hard to know, right? Oh, it is. Like, it is a hard, it's one. a hard one to go. Okay. Well, I don't want to have my baby in the car on the highway <laughs> no, on the way ideal. to the hospital, but I also don't want to get to the hospital too quick, mm. um, because as as you said, it is not as a comfortable, necessarily relaxed mm. environment as your own home, and so um, even staying calm. Yep in the car or on the drive on the way through (laughs) can help as well like using these skills these absolutely tools because like what you said your big aim in this phase is to help promote oxytocin and help reduce adrenaline
1: that's what we want to do and
0: adrenaline we you know we talk about the fight or flight and it's it's that quick reaction like Mm. if there's something there's danger there's something your body will will instantly tighten up Mm. tense up and that's not what you want in in your labor so keeping away from any sort of danger or quick 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 stuff Mm. because you're wanting to actually stay calm that's it and in control as much as you can absolutely and um yeah so so skills help
1: we look at different strategies to help that. So, massage is a great mm-hmm. one, definitely. Um, you know, and I can hear women out there going, Oh, god, don't touch me. And for some women, mm-hmm. they don't want to be touched during pregnancy or, or labor, and that's fine. But, um, other people, you know, it's, it's really, really helpful just to help, you know, calm and make them feel, I think, nurtured. You know, it's nice to feel nurtured. So, I'm not talking about, you know, Squeezing someone's shoulders and around their neck. No, no, no. I'm thinking about nice, broad, gentle strokes, you know, over the top of the hips, perhaps, maybe along their back, you know, just nice and gentle, no poking and prodding and squeezing things, just, you know, broad strokes with the palms of your hands, sort of going, starting from the middle and sort of working your way out. Mm-hmm. So it's just nice and restful. So, positive touch you know hugs and cuddles and kisses and things i mean people who have got children they might have their children around them giving them cuddles and kisses and rubbing the belly and you know things like that they're all positive things and um and they're relaxing so for people who are going through um that latent phase if it's taking a really long time just get on with life as usual as much as you can so like you know you might just be like doing some cooking if cooking is your thing or go for a little walk or take the dog for a walk or have a swim or or a shower or a bath or just get on and do your normal sort of activities or lay on the lounge and pop on Netflix and watch your favorite movie you know whatever it is and some people find it's nice to have um, incense burning or they might like to have the lights low women actually like to labor in a darkened environment. And quite often when you go into the birthing suites or hospitals, they have the lights turned down. I don't mean so it's pitch black so you can't see what's going on, but I mean, so, so it's it's dim. So you haven't got these harsh, you know, lights glaring at you. You just got this sort of dim, gentle environment. And so it's creating that ambience, that relaxation, you know. Um, that's the sort of environment that's conducive to labor, you know, and conducive to childbirth. Because again, it's all about relaxation, promoting oxytocin and you know because we need those strong contractions to push the baby downwards you know towards the vagina to birth and um and it makes a little easier when you're in an environment that makes you feel nurtured makes you feel safe um you know and you feel supported yeah so you know there's things like um tens machines um which are brilliant actually
0: let's talk a little bit about the tens machine yeah because you might you know, people out there might not have ever seen one before. <laughs> and, you know, it, it does get talked a lot
1: about. What does it actually do? Right. Well, it like I mentioned before, a lot of this thing is distractionary mm. sort of techniques. So um, let me think. If you've ever had a, an injection, um, people say that if you cough at the same time you get the injection, you don't feel it. So tens are a similar sort of thing. Um, so you put your tens generally on your lower back. Don't ever, never, never on the belly. On the lower back usually, because that's generally where you're gonna feel that tightening. Um, some people feel it in their lower back. And um so when you start to feel a contraction come on and you will just press, there's like usually a plus and a minus sign on your tens machine. And so you might press the plus um, until you feel the, the buzzing from the tens, stimulation from the tens becomes a little stronger than the contraction. And um, and then you don't feel the contraction. You just feel the tens and then you just ease it off as you, you know, as you need to. And, um, and it's just like, oh, I felt okay. So it's I can't really tell you how that works, but it really just does. <laughs> yeah, I and, mean, obviously it's not going to work for everybody. Um, it worked for me definitely, but it gets to a point where it's like, okay, this is doing nothing. <laughs> it's like time for it to come off and then you sort of look for different things. So, um, yeah, but TENS is a, a really good way of um, of coping with those early, early contractions.
0: What about calling the hospital, like, you know that that moment when to call them, like what what's sort of I guess gonna happen.
1: Mm. Well, um, I think you know, especially when it's your first time around, you, you you're nervous, okay, because you don't know what's going to happen. It's the first time, you know, you've never done this before, You think, oh my god, what am I gonna do? So remember that they are there to support you. So definitely give the hospital a call. So when you start to feel those tightenings, just ring them up and say, look, this is what's going on. This is how many weeks I am you know, and then they'll just have a bit of a chat to you usually and uh, sort of get an idea of, of what's happening at home. So they might ask you your gestation, so, you know, to say you're 38 weeks or 40 weeks or whatever you are, um, have you had any children before um, or have you had any pregnancies before um, and how have you been feeling? And then they'll just start to ask you how you're feeling now, um, you know, is there anything that you should know, they should know about? So have you had any water break? Um have you been feeling the baby move? That's really important. A lot of people forget that um, your baby needs to be moving right up until, you know, you're giving birth pretty much because a lot of people think that, oh, you know, the baby's big, there's not enough space in there. Babies don't stop moving. So they might roll a little bit or push rather than kick and, and turn around, but they're still moving. So be aware of that. Um, and you might need to describe the baby's movements, um, if they're getting quite frantic or if they're nice and gentle. Are they uh, what you, you know? What you've been used to feeling? Those sorts of things. Have you had any vaginal discharge? So, is it, what colour is it? is it? Clear? Is it dark? Is it, um, you know, what they call a show? So, is the mucus plug and a bit of blood perhaps? So, are you bleeding? Is it normal discharge? All of these different questions. So these are not to frighten you. These are simply to give the midwife or or the doctor, whoever it is who's on the other end of the phone, a a clear picture of what is happening with you at this point in time. And then um, they might ask you where you are, how far you are from the hospital. Have you got someone who can drive you to the hospital? Um, Are you happy and comfortable at home? Um, What would you like to do? How much heightening have you had? How often is it happening? All of those sorts of things. And and they might ask you about how you're coping as well. And then if you say, I'm happy to go for a bit longer, fantastic. And then they might give you a few little strategies to try. Um, You can call the hospital as many times as you want. Um, But they can tell from the sound of your voice quite often whether you're in latent. Phase or active phase because you sound quite different. <laughs> so, in latent phase, you might ring up and say, Hi, you know, I'm 58 weeks and I'm, I've just felt um, some tightenings, and you've got this really cheery voice. And they'd be like, Yeah, you're fine. <laughs> but you might call, you know, several hours later and you'd be like, Hi, you know, maybe <laughs> a bit of panting in there. And, and they'd be like, mm, Maybe it's time to come in. <laughs> But um, the hospital or whoever, you know, wherever you're having your baby, you might be having it at home, um, you might be having it at a birthing centre, wherever you're having the baby, um, you know, your care provider or, or is the best person to let you know when it's when it's the time to come in. So some people, you know, they might just be frightened and I just want to get in there and just want to be in the hospital because that's where I feel safe because I know, you know, everyone's there and that's fine. Yeah. Um, and some people are just happy to stay at home and just get on with things and do it for as long as they can at home. So I think what people need to understand as well is that when you do come into the hospital, hospitals have policies and guidelines that they are expected to adhere to. And so quite often when you come into the hospital and that's it, you're there, um, You are there's a bit of a timeline that starts. So some people say you're on the clock. But they would expect within that time that you're there, that certain things will be happening at certain times. So they might give you, I don't know, every hospital is different. But let's just say, for example, it might you might come in and you've been laboring at home for a little while and they've done a vaginal examination and found you're three centimeters dilated. So you're still in what they would say the latent phase. You're still not quite established yet. So they might say, all right, we're going to give you a few more hours and then we'll check again and, and see where you're at. And so that could then lead to so if you're not if like, you know if you're not dilating maybe as fast as they were hoping, they might try to encourage it with an induction. so they might you know um, just give you um, some hook you up to an IV with some oxytocin to try and encourage that labor to speed up a little bit. Um, so that can bring with it other things, so the pain might increase. And then you might think, oh, I don't think I can cope with this because it suddenly goes from being manageable to being quite, quite strong. Um, so it hasn't gradually increased as it would have perhaps if you stayed home or um, if it was going a little slower.
0: And it is different, the synthetic oxytocin. Mm.
1: Too because you're not producing oxytocin
0: it, oxytocin that you produce, yeah, that, exactly. That love
1: hormone, yeah, yeah. So you're not producing this oxytocin, but it's there to sort of encourage um, the dilation of your cervix. So for some people, it works beautifully and it will work quickly and they can manage and it's fine. But some people, it might take a little mm. longer or it might not be as successful. Um, so you know, if, if that's happening and you're finding the pain is more than you can bear then you might have another intervention. So you might end up having an epidural or maybe pethidine or something else to help you manage the pain. Um, And so this can create a bit of a cascade of intervention that perhaps you might not have wanted, but you're starting to feel that you can't cope without it. And that is absolutely fine. And for some people, that's what they need. Um, But like we've said before, everybody's different. Mm. So, you know, what some people, you know, is right for one person. This might not be right for another.
0: Exactly. And it is important that um, it's not like you can't have any pain Oh, relief. God I no think <laughs> that that's the thing that people go, oh, I, I just I need to do this solely, purely, just me, this is it. You know, the the TENS machine is a great resource, even like the gas, mm-hmm. the you know, hot packs, cool mm-hmm. packs, using the warmth of the shower. Absolutely. Oh the um, shower and the
1: birthing pool are brilliant exactly so right good.
0: like these are all skills and or tools to help you your breathing techniques the distraction side of things mm. all of these are useful to to help reduce or, or manage manage yeah. yeah exactly manage the the pain that you're experiencing so that hopefully you can stay relaxed and that if everything if there's no complications that then the baby's doing its you know its little rotation I think people forget about that Mm. I think people forget that the baby's involved absolutely (laughs) as stupid as that sounds when I say it but um the baby is working with you Mm. and your you know your job as the mother or the ideal for you as the mother is is to relax and dilate mm. and the baby's role is really to to rotate right like yep. rotate its way down through that birth canal mm. and if you can work together with that then amazing and not always mm-hmm. that, that's where the it's not always in your control if they're in a different position like mm-hmm. you were saying posterior yes. which for those who don't know what posterior is it's it's the baby's spine back up against your spine that's right and yeah. that's where that intense pain comes because yeah. when you're talking bone especially or bone, in the lower
1: back a lot of people get really severe lower back pain mm. in a posterior birth so it can be can be quite painful yeah yeah
0: definitely and so ideally um having the baby in an optimal position is is mm. gonna help mm. but using this skills and knowing these skills beforehand. Yeah. And that's why, you know, it's really good that we're doing this podcast because it's talking about learning them before, being equipped with them. Yeah. And then practicing them through our, you know, your your pregnancy and then knowing that you've got those skills. You can draw and you might not even use them. You know, mm. there might be some breath techniques that you learnt that you didn't you don't even use and that's okay, but
1: at least you've got them. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. yeah, definitely. Yeah, I mean, I think um, I think sometimes too we're afraid to um, be vocal, you know. <laughs> and uh, for women, going through labor is something pretty unique. And um, and you know, you might have you might have had three babies, but each one of those labors would be completely different from each other. And so every single journey you take is is a unique journey for that time, for, you know, for that that baby, for that woman, you know, no one's is the same and what you need is not going to be the same. So, um, you know, for me, with my first one, I had a lot of medical intervention. With my second, I chose to avoid it if I could, you know, but I was thinking, you know, if I need the epidural, mm. you know, I'm going to have it because, you know, childbirth is painful, but it's, it's a different kind of pain and it's not a scary pain. It's not like... I don't even know like I can't it's a purposeful yeah it is I think you're right that's what it is it's purposeful (laughs) yeah yeah there's a point to it (laughs) but um it's quite empowering when you are able to manage um without pain relief I mean I used the gas which is a type of pain relief and I have to say that it was fantastic um I love the gas um but it was really empowering at the end of it thinking oh my god I did it I I did that Mm. you know and um you know and it's Those things that you start off with in the early, very early stages, like we were saying before, the breathing, you know, getting yourself into a comfortable posture, the rocking, all of those sorts of things, they can really, really help you right the way through um, the entire labour, which can be a really long time. And I definitely encourage you to get under the shower like, you know, do a combination so you know grab your swiss ball and lean on it put your yoga mat on the floor or whatever put the ball on the floor lean over the ball put the nice warm shower in your back get under there and you'd be amazed how good that feels you know move people say what moving <laughs> but really just let that noise out and it's yeah. a really kind of um primal sort of guttural sort of sound as it's very really strained because it's coming from really really deep within you and you know go into that zone concentrate on your breathing really focus on what's happening inside of you and you're know, try to visualize that baby turning and coming down that canal you know and that sounds a little bit Oh my god, a bit hippy dippy, but really, when you're in that zone, mm-hmm. all you are focused on is you. It's up to everybody else to, you know, <laughs> to sort themselves out. But, um, but yeah, when you're labouring, it's um, it's it's completely, it's very intense experience, and um, and I think it's actually quite exciting. It
0: is. It's 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 an incredible journey. It that's is. for sure. And it's the other thing to remember: it's not permanent. It's, yes, one it's, day. it's a it's a <laughs> relatively short period of time yeah. compared to the length of your pregnancy and the length of how long you're going to be a mother for absolutely in in the timeline of things so keeping in mind that that even the intensity mm-hmm. is not going to last that long and That's one right. other thing that um, some women don't realize is that with the contractions they go up and then down so it's not that there's you you're not necessarily having a contraction the entire way through there's those ebbs and flows and utilizing your distraction technique or whatever it is that you're using to help you through the contraction your sound work you know the the water whatever um but then really utilizing those those downsides of the contraction to relax Mm. as best you can to refresh recope and and Be ready for the next one, and obviously that becomes harder as the contractions become closer Mm because there's less time in between. But using that to take your take a few deep breaths, yeah, and yeah, yeah, and relax, yeah, beautiful. Was there anything else that you would like to add before we finish
1: Um, up? You know, just don't be afraid of it. Mm. You know, and and this is as women, this is what we're made for, and and you can do it you need to have that belief in yourself you can do it and rely on those people around you to give you the support that you need um you know and and have that belief in yourself I think I can do this and even if you say to yourself I've got this I can do this and you know and if you need that little bit of help that's okay you know don't ever feel bad that you know or don't ever feel like you know I just didn't do it or I failed you never ever fail because your journey is completely different from someone else's so don't ever compare yourself to another person's is all i can say is that at the time if that's what you needed then that's fine you know so you just got to take each moment as it comes but um yeah for those out there who are pregnant i would just wish you the best of luck with your labor and uh, hopefully some of these techniques might might help you out
0: amazing thank you so much Alison. my pleasure just some great tips for pain management in early labor there's even more resources in the show notes for this podcast and you can locate that at pregactive.com forward slash podcasts thanks for listening to the pregactive podcast we love hearing from you so leave us a comment or request a future podcast when you head over to the show notes at pregactive.com If you enjoyed this podcast, share it with a friend because the more the merrier. Until next time.